You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey everybody, Wednesday evening, time for American Winer on podcastdetroit.com. How's everybody doing? I survived the drive here. Uh, not looking forward to going to work in the morning. It is negative nine the last time I checked the temperature. Um, absolute insanity. You look like you're about to say something, Kate. I'm just still cold from this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm cold now, and we're inside. It's it's pretty it's pretty messed up. You know what's going to be weird is in another couple days when 40 degrees feels balmy, when I'm going to be like, I'm taking my, I'm going to be outside in a t-shirt. Couldn't you know? we have just found like a happy medium and met somewhere in the middle instead of having this extreme cold and then super warm? Well, it's, it's, I, I just, I like to be able to go outside without worrying about if I'm going to die. You know, in, in ten, if I get locked out or something. You I know? can't even tell you how many layers I wore this morning to go to work and how many layers I'm wearing tomorrow. Oh, my God. Multiple pairs of pants. <laughs> Just layering the sweats on. At least three, <laughs> I'm going to guess. Um, anyway, uh, so joining us tonight from uh, what I hope is a much more a much warmer climate uh, is uh, singer-songwriter J.R. Wyatt, who's joining us from Nashville. J.R., how you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. Um What's the weather like down there? Did you guys get any of this polar vortex? I don't know if we technically got the vortex, but uh, it's definitely cold. Um, but nothing like you guys have. Does it snow down there? I've been to Nashville a couple times, but it's always been in the summer, so I'm not too familiar. Yeah, we actually got a little snow this morning. It was, I mean, it was basically nothing. But uh, people freak out down here because uh, there's no there's no real infrastructure for like clearing roads or anything like that. So if it starts snowing, people kind of freak out and hunker down. So it's very bizarre. Uh, especially I'm from Maine. So, Oh like, shit. <laughs> so you're just like, yeah. you all need to calm down. <laughs> well, yeah. And then, and then for us, Michigan, you're like, you guys are a bunch of pussies talking about negative nine. Like it's something, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, interesting to, to see people freak out over like a few flakes but uh yeah where, where in maine were you from i'm from uh southern maine it's a town called kennybunk uh and like kennybunk port it's um it's famous for where uh the bushes have like a a compound there or whatever george bush um so that kind of made it famous and it's a coastal town and um it's it's really beautiful, but it's fucking cold. So that yeah. wind chill though, that's what gets you. Because right now with our wind chill, it's like negative forty. Yeah, yeah. that's the problem. <laughs> it is Arctic. Yeah, it that's, is Arctic. But um, that's insane. But uh, so yeah, I knew I'd, I'd heard of Kenneth Bunk. I knew I'd heard that name before Kenneth Bunkport. And you're right, that's where the bushes. Uh, that's where the bushes have their their compound. But um, anyway, man. Uh, so I always start off these interviews properly with uh, the the uh, the same question. <clears throat> and that question is, where were you born? I was born in Portland, Maine, but uh, uh, raised in Kennebunk. So, you know, pretty much born and raised there. Uh, in Portland's only like 25 minutes from my hometown. So, and uh, what did uh, what what did your parents do for a living? Uh, my uh, my dad's a tech ed teacher, uh, like a woodshop teacher, um, and my mother, she uh has a business uh making cookies uh, um and she would sell them to local stores around town and uh and so she did that and she was able to stay home with uh with us growing up which was nice um and now she's also uh an accountant but she still does the cookies Oh, so she was a she's a baker then. That's that's what she. What kind of cookies yeah. does she make? Uh, strictly chocolate chip cookies, and they're like they're big, they're big cookies. And uh, yeah, she makes them out of the house. She's got like two regular conventional ovens, and uh, she just like wakes up super early in the morning and cranks out a bunch of cookies, and then uh, she'll deliver them. Or like we used to go delivering for her. Uh, and yeah, kind of kind of funny, but the house always smelled like cookies, which was pretty amazing. Dude, that sounds so far. This sounds pretty idyllic. Like you, you're growing up in this be- in beautiful Maine countryside, at least in the summer, 
and uh, and yeah. your, your house smells like cookies. And, and I'm, I'm, you said your dad is a tech uh, teacher, so he teaches like wood shop. You said, yeah, yeah. So I imagine it also smells like sawdust in that house. That's like a perfect. That's the type of music that you make. It's like it would have been weird if you hadn't started like making that type of music. That's like the soundtrack to that to scene that I'm getting in my head right now. Yeah, um, I mean it's uh it was it was a great childhood. It was uh yeah, super idyllic. I mean, it sounds like a postcard and uh uh yeah, it it was it was great growing up. Does your mom sell the cookies online by any chance? She does not. She never got uh she never got that far with it. She um her peak was when we were younger. She she had like she would deliver to the high school. Uh so she'd do hundreds of cookies a day and she had some big some big clients in town and um but then as the years went on, uh like she she got another job just to kind of support you know, it was kind of tough to make cookies and make a living so um things change but she still does it which is amazing to me so uh, how many uh, uh siblings do you have then i have three siblings um i'm a middle child uh i've got a, an older brother he's eight years older than i am my sister is five years older than i am and my younger brother is eight years younger than i am so there's a 16 year gap between the youngest and the oldest wow um yeah so, uh, what, what were you into as a kid then? Like what you, you, you're growing up in Maine and your parents both have these, you know, pretty, you know, interesting, uh, jobs. Like what were you, what were your interests? What did you spend your time doing? Um, I mean, I was always into music, uh, and there was always music around the house. Uh, everyone in my family's very, very into it. Um, but we were just, I mean, we just kind of bomb around, like playing outside and like, there was always a movie on like in the background and music and just like, we were nuts, uh, just kind of running around being goofballs. And, uh, yeah, we're, my house is like near the woods. So we'd go out and play in the woods and, uh, it was pretty great, but music was definitely the, the thing that kind of brought everybody together i guess uh, what kind of a student were you um not a great one uh i i would always i was i'm very good at procrastinating and i would just like not do my homework and just play music or whatever um i was always doing something though like i was never like we weren't allowed to have video games or anything and and uh so like I always had like a project going on that I was doing for myself, whether it was playing music or like if I was in a band or making like videos with my friends and stuff like that. So I was just doing something productive, but it was never schoolwork. So I didn't do, it was like, I, I got mostly C's. Um, and then in high school started to tank a little bit more, but I was always a pretty good kid. So like my teachers didn't, really care all that much. <laughs> I don't know. They, it was, it was kind of funny. Like I had a good relationship with all my teachers, but I was a shitty student. Well, they saw you doing stuff. I think it's, it's sort of like, he's not lazy. You know, it's like this, it's like just cause he's not interested in what we're giving him doesn't mean he's not interested in anything is what it sounds like. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I think that's it. Like school just wasn't really my thing, but I was always very, active in extracurricular stuff and, and like doing, I did a lot of theater, um, and, and stuff like that after school stuff. So I was very involved, I guess, but just not with homework. <laughs> what, what kind of theater did you do? Were you acting? Um, or, I uh... did. Yeah, I was, I was acting and did musicals and stuff like that. Uh, that was a huge part of my life. Um, cause we had a great, we had a great program and it wasn't, it wasn't, um, like, like they always have in movies and stuff. Like it wasn't nerdy in my town to be, to do music and the plays and the, the musicals and stuff like that. Like a lot of, there's a lot of crossover between, uh, athletes and, and people in the, in the productions. Um, 
but yeah, I, I was heavily involved in all that. And then my senior year of high school, I actually wrote a full length musical that we put on wow. that year. So it all kind of came to that. And then I did, uh, I went to college for a year and did some theater there and some playwriting and, um, but, but it's, it's tough to do that outside of school. Um, and I, I've kind of, I haven't done really anything since then. Well, I have to ask about that musical. What was it about? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was my senior year and, uh, my, the musical director and the band leader, uh, his name was Bruce Louia. He, he was a huge part of my life. And, one of the reasons I kind of kept pursuing music. Um, but I, uh, a few friends of mine and I were joking around one time and he was around as well. And we were saying, I don't know how it came up, but I was saying we should make a pirate musical. And <laughs> it was a joke. And I was like, I don't know. I, I thought about it for a minute. and was like, shit, I could do that. Like that could be something I tried to do. Um, and then a few of my friends and I kind of came up with this outline for this story. And then they kind of bailed from it just cause you know, like it was mostly a joke, but I got super serious about it. <laughs> and I said to my musical director, I was like, Hey, if I write this thing, will you direct it? Like, can we put it on? And he was like, absolutely. Uh, and he gave me a deadline, which was like after Christmas vacation or something like that. And I said, okay, and this was in the fall. So I spent like every hour I had, uh, and I had a part-time job too. So like, I was just trying to squeeze in all of this, uh, musical time. So it was called the pirate musical and (laughs) it was like a campy kind of spoof on, just kind of every musical. Um, and I kind of, you know, stole from a bunch of other musical, you know, like Les Mis and Fiddler uh, on the Roof, like all these, you know, huge musicals kind of peppered that into a, a pirate story. And uh, yeah, wrote, wrote the, wrote the book for it. And then I tracked all of the music cause um, I can't really write music all that well. Like, uh, I can't really read music all that well either. So that would have taken me so long. So I was just like, well, I'll just record all the tracks. So I just recorded all the tracks in GarageBand and then we all sang over it. Um, and yeah, it was like a, an hour and a half long production. And we, uh, I delivered it to him after Christmas vacation. He was like, all right, let's do it. So we did it. Wow. So you, you pulled that off and then you just, you haven't done it since like that. That was just a one-time thing for you as far as writing. Yeah, kind of. I did, I did some, some playwriting and, um, I really love writing dialogue. Um, and I've, I've done some like sketch comedy stuff, but nothing, nothing on the stage, which is kind of sad just because it was such a huge deal for me. Like putting that on and we sold it out the two nights, like they had people in the aisles coming to see it. Like it was a huge deal for me, especially at the time I was 18 years old. You know? Um, and so that was a huge high for me. And then I couldn't really get it back, but, but I get a lot of that kind of same feeling when I'm on stage playing my songs. Cause I can, you know, it's a, it's a variation on that, I suppose, but I'd love to do it again at some point, but it takes a lot of people. Well, you said earlier that you're, uh, you've, you've been, you'd been into music pretty much, you know, always. And, and I mean, if you're able to pull to, Right. How many songs were in the musical? I mean, writing a musical at that age is crazy. I mean, like that is no wonder <laughs> your teachers were cool with you. Not, you know, they're like, oh, this guy gave us a freaking musical. So, you know, <laughs> he's clearly got something going on. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely got some free passes from from some teachers who once they saw it, they were like, oh, OK, that's why he sucks at school. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was there. I think there were like nine songs in the it was basically like writing an album um, and recording an album essentially. Uh, but they were, they were so much fun. Like I had such a great time doing it um, that it wasn't really work for me. It it was a lot of work. So don't get me wrong, but I had, it was such a joy and um, 
And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I when I think back on it, I'm like, what a fucking weird and crazy thing. But uh, yeah, that's kind of I, I like that stuff. I like doing weird, odd things. Like who, like who the fuck writes a musical at 18 years old? <laughs> yeah, that's impressive, man. Did, so, but you said you'd always been into music. What like what age are we talking here? Like, I mean, when did you first take an interest in it? Um. Well. Yeah, we had instruments around the house always just because my, my dad played drums and guitar. Um, and then my older brother, yeah, since he's eight years older than I am, he was playing drums at a young age. So we had a kit at home, and I can't remember not playing drums. Like, it, there's no there's no time in which I was like, oh, I remember playing drums for the first time because it was just always around. So I just kind of bang on them, and, and that eventually led to to me wanting to play other instruments and um i think i got my first guitar when i was nine and uh yeah but i always played drums and and guitar and then started writing music at a pretty young age um none of it was good but i remember writing my first real song when i was like 11 or 12 um i think i can still play it it was called natural disaster but that was like that was a big moment for me just because I knew like, Oh, I can actually write this stuff too. Not just play other people's stuff. So it was always around my house and we were always playing. So I can't really even remember starting. Was as far as songwriting, was there a particular album or song that you heard that made you kind of like that, that sort of sparked the, 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 the will to, to write natural disaster or had that just kind of been a culmination of, of trying and, and uh, you know, trial and error for over the years yeah i i can't remember anything back then i mean there was again always music on in the house my dad was a big fan of like 70s singer songwriters uh as was my mom but she loves like sinatra and stuff and she loved springsteen um but yeah all of that kind of came together and i think influenced me but but i was also into like i loved punk rock music too and like my brother opened me up to like a whole world of this other music so there's tons of music coming in um from you know everything from singer songwriters to hip-hop to like you know hardcore uh punk music and stuff uh but i do remember because i was always like picking around writing some songs and stuff but then when i when i was 16 years old i heard ryan adams heartbreaker for the first time mm. Um, and that was the first time, cause I had written lots of songs. I'd been in bands, like, you know, we'd play like pop punk stuff or whatever, you know, just middle school bands. Uh, but when I heard heartbreaker for the first time that I was like, Whoa, this sounds like, I don't know. It felt like music that I could write and play. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with that album, but there was something about it that just hit me at the right time in my life. And like, as I was getting into that music and like everything coming together at once. And from then on out, I think it just, that's when I really took off and started writing for real. Well, that, yeah. That's, that's exactly what I was talking about. Like that was the guy where you said, like, I can see, I can see myself doing this. Like I'm capable of this. This is really inspiring. And I love Ryan Adams, man. Uh, Chains of Love. I, I freaking love that song. I even liked his Taylor Swift, uh, uh, where he covered that Taylor Swift album. Oh hell yeah! Uh, so, yeah. so there you go. Um, but yeah. uh, so, um, so I was going to ask about influences, but you kind of just got into that. And, and is there anybody that uh, that people might be surprised to learn that you're influenced by? Oh, for sure. I mean. Yeah, like like I said, um, growing up, uh, there was just so much so much music in my house, and um, I, I really got a super deep appreciation for all of it. Um, I think in my earlier years, and even still, like I listen, I just listen to everything, and I love everything. Um, but yeah, m my brother really turned me on to a lot of great stuff that broadened my horizons. Like he gave, I think when I turned 13, 12 or 13, he gave me like five CDs that, that were huge 
to him and they ended up being, you know, five of my favorites. And hey, there's a band called Refused. They're a hardcore punk band. They made this record called The Shape of Punk to Come. Um, and that that thing will blow your mind. It's so good. Um, so that's probably one of the most surprising ones. Um, but then like the Chili Peppers and uh, At the Drive-In and Beastie Boys and Mars Volta. Um, they're like bands that I was finding out about. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. But, uh, but one of my favorite bands is Nirvana. Like that's, it's like the Beatles and Nirvana yeah. are like my my go-tos uh so i don't know yeah just lots and lots of different music and and i love it all um so tell me about your songwriting process then because you wrote you said you wrote the first your quote-unquote first real song where you finished it and you're like oh this is a complete composition you wrote this entire musical only seven years later um what, you know, so what's your songwriting process like? I mean, how much songwriting did you do in your teens, and, and where, how did that carry over into your adult life? Um, well, the, I'll start with the the process always changes for me, at least, um, and I kind of have to. I think I have to switch it up occasionally, otherwise it gets a little stale. Um, but I do try to write as much as possible because it is a muscle that, you know, and I've, I've learned this kind of more recently that it is a muscle and you do have to exercise it. So that when the time comes and when some kind of inspiration does hit you, you're ready to roll with it. Cause there's nothing worse than being like, Oh, this is a great idea. And then kind of letting it slip through your fingers. Um, Cause that used to happen to me a lot. So sitting down and just doing, you know, putting the work in, I think is super important and it's not glamorous and it's not always fun. Um, but when that, when you hit that lick or something that you're just playing and you're like, Oh shit, this sounds good. You can capitalize on it. So that's kind of the process nowadays. Um, but before I, I don't even remember like how I think I was emulating a lot of people like, uh, uh when I was in middle school, I had a, band with some of my friends uh it was called spoiled youth which i still think that's a hilarious band name um and we would play a lot of like green day and nirvana and uh stuff like that uh and we'd play the middle school dances and stuff and then we tried writing some of our own songs and you know it's 13 year olds trying to write these pop punk songs or whatever and uh but you, you, you start to understand the form of songwriting and, and that's, and even before that, you know, you just kind of emulate stuff and then you understand, oh, this is kind of how things go together. And then later on, you kind of learn, oh, this is how I fuck this up right. um, so that it's more interesting because, you know, you do it too often and you just kind of start following the, the template for songs that can start to get boring for the artist and the listener. Um, so I think it's one of those learn the rules and then break them kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, up till now, it's just kind of a culmination of all that and just kind of putting in the time. And, you know, sometimes it's a, you come up with a chord progression first. Sometimes you come up with an idea, uh, for like a, a lyric or a song title or whatever. And you just kind of take it from there. Uh, was spoiled youth your first band? I think that was the first the, that was the first um honest attempt at yeah a band uh and it was a blast it was I have a lot of fond memories of you know doing that I'm still super good friends with with all those dudes and um yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun did you uh were you have you always been a guitar player and a singer did you play drums in that too or what were your uh you know, what was your focus at that point? Yeah, I, at that point I was guitar and vocals. Um, but I had, you know, I had always played with people and kind of jams. Like that was the thing. It was like, Oh, you play guitar with jam. Um, which I've never super been into, like just hanging around and jamming. I don't know. I like to have more of a purpose, I think. Uh, 
but yeah, that was always going on. But but that was the first time there was an actual band. But I used to play a lot of drums. Um, and then in high school, after, right after high school, right after I graduated, uh, a few of my buddies and I started a band called the Civil Slingers, um, which was like a rockabilly band. And that was that was a lot of fun. And then that kind of turned into a punk band, but it was the same dudes and everything. And my buddy Mike and I would switch off on uh, guitar and drums and we'd like to, it was kind of a shtick thing. Like we'd, he'd play the first half of the set on the drums and I'd, I'd do my songs on guitar and then he'd play a beat on the drums and then I would go around and start playing the same beat and then we'd switch off like mid song kind of a thing. Hmm. Uh, so that, that was cool. So that was, that was a much more of a real band um, for a few years and, and they've both gone on to uh, do cool stuff. The bassist, Sean, he's in a band in Austin called the Oysters and Mike is in a band in Seattle called Dusty. So they're both doing well. Uh, have you, have, do you prefer being a solo artist to being in a band? Have you found that you can be more productive on your own or do you, do you prefer one or the other? I, I, I prefer being a solo artist. Um, I, I know, I know myself and I can get pretty particular about things and I don't think that I'm always the best bandmate, um, which isn't a nice thing. Like it's, it's, a, it's a douchey thing, but, uh, it's just kind of true. I get very particular and I've learned over the years to be a lot more collaborative, but, um, yeah, I, I love being in bands, but it's, it's hard to be in bands. Um, and it's, it's hard to, to change in bands. I think, uh, if, if you're doing one thing and, you know, you decide, cause I, I always want to do something a little bit different. Like I don't want to make the same record twice and I don't want to, like, I want to play this one set acoustic, super quiet music. And then the next one I want to be loud. You know, like that's hard to do with a band. So I think, uh, as a solo artist, it's more conducive to what I enjoy doing. I got one more question about sort of your developmental phase uh, as a musician, and then I'll, we'll move on to what yeah. you've been doing more recently. But um, my the question is, when did you realize that you could sing? Like, th- was there a moment when you had to, like, where you, you were in your bedroom and you just started doing it with the guitar and you're like, holy crap, I know how to match my voice to the tones <laughs> that the instrument's making? Or was it, what was it? Um, I don't know. I, I don't have any specific memory of, of learning to sing, but it, I always did it. And then um, I was always in chorus and stuff like that. So I kind of learned how to properly sing. Um, I don't know. I still don't really like, I don't like my voice. Uh, really? <laughs> speaking wise. Yeah. Speaking wise or singing wise. Uh it's just one of those things like I think I've just heard it for a long time and I'm not, I, I know it's fine enough, but like, it's, it's certainly not my favorite voice. Um, but yeah, I've, I've just always been doing it. So I, I, I can't really, can't really pin it down to a specific moment. Yeah. If you prefer being a solo artist, it's like, you don't really have much of a choice, even if, uh, you know, <laughs> right. so there you go. Uh, you know, John Lennon hated the sound of his voice too. That's that's what I always say of people. And I mean, like I do music and I hate my voice too. So there you go. Yeah. There's gotta be something like, I mean, that's, that's pretty unnatural, right? To be able to hear your own voice after the fact that, I mean, that's not a, yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a development in the past couple like what, 150 years, something like that. When, whenever they yeah, the hardly, yeah. yeah, there you go. That's, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, blame it on tech. Yeah. Right. So, uh, when did you move to Nashville then? I moved here, um, five years ago, uh, last month, I think, or this month. Yeah. So five years ago. Oh, wow. And what prompted that? Um, I had 
so I had been kind of bopping around the Northeast, um, lived in Boston for a little while, then went back to Maine and then did some touring and then was in Maine working at a hotel. And I was just like, I need to do something. I had gone to college for a year and didn't, I did well and everything, but it just wasn't for me. And, um, uh, so I was like, well, I'll just move to Nashville. Like that seems where people, that seems to be where people are moving. And a lot of my favorite bands were moving here. Like the dudes from deer tick and, and like these, a lot of the Northeast bands were kind of moving down here. Um, I was like, well, I'll go see what that's all about. And then my sister was kind of in limbo at the same time. And again, she's five years older than I am. And she was leaving her job and she just didn't know what to do. And she was like, well, I'll come with you if you want. And I was like, sure. So we, uh, yeah, we just kind of packed up and came down here and we had no contacts here. We had no jobs and we had very little money. And when I look back, I'm like, what the fuck were we thinking? But uh, I don't know. It worked out. So. Well, what was your first impression of the place then? Like, I mean, did you just start looking for gigs or, and, and I mean, what did you do when, once you got down there? Yeah, it was, it was pretty daunting. I had like, I had been here before, but never, like, I'd never played here. Um, just kind of hung out. So yeah, we, we just kind of started going out and doing, I did open mics, um, everywhere and met some people. And then down here, it's big, it's big on industry and like pop country and, and all that stuff. And I started to see that and I was like, yeah, that's not at all what I want to do. Um, but then somehow I, I, I kind of went to the more like local clubs and stuff like that and started seeing other bands and more like rock and roll stuff. And I was like, oh, this is, this is the place to to be and a lot of that was over in east nashville which is just over the river and um so once i found that i started to you know go to shows see, see the same people and get some friends and and uh and then that just developed into you know the the friend group that i have now and everything and and the people that i work with and uh staying gold must have because if that you said five years so that would have been 2014 and you released your album staying gold in 2016 um, so you must have started production or, or at least writing that soon after moving down there. Yeah. Um, I had had a lot of those songs for a while and then, yeah, I didn't know what I was going to do. There were a couple opportunities to record and, and do like singles and stuff, but I'm, I'm very much an album oriented person. Um, so I didn't really want to do one offs with, some random dude who heard my set and was like, Hey, let's record a single. Like it didn't seem, I'm sure it would have been fine and everything, but I, I, that wasn't really for me. Um, so yeah, I met, I met some people within that first year and then I met my friend, uh, Alex Martin who produced, uh, and like engineered staying gold. Um, we met that first year and we've since become best friends and, uh, and he was starting to get into production a little bit more. And I was like, well, let's like, let's try to make this record. His parents, he's from Nashville. So his parents have a pool house that's just vacant. So we recorded it in this pool house. And, um, I had, I, at that point I had gotten some guys who who played with me and we had become friends and that became like my band, my go-to and, yeah, we just kind of naively started making this record and it turned out all right. Uh, tell me about your YouTube channel. Did you start that uh, around when you, you moved down there uh, or had it been, you'd kind of been doing that for a while by then? Or Yeah, I, I, yeah, I never really did much like YouTube music stuff or anything. And then when I moved down here, I had, but like before I got a job and stuff, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I was just practicing a lot and playing songs and whatever. So I just started, I don't even know why I started putting them up on YouTube. Um, I think it was also nice for people back home and stuff to 
you know, just see what I'm up to or whatever. Um, and just started doing some covers and threw a few originals in there. And, um, somehow that, yeah, that country roads one blew up, but yeah, I gotta say, that's how I, I found you. I just, I, I typed in, take me home country roads cover and yours was, uh, one of the first ones that came up. And I started listening to it, and it's so interesting because you you do YouTube covers. I love going through that, and I love finding people because you know within the first, like, five seconds of hearing somebody sing whether it's going to work or not. And with you, I yeah. listen to the whole thing, and then I listen to it again and again and again. And then and now, like, I'll listen to it at work, you know? Like, it, it really is – it's so awesome when people capture a moment like that. So I don't, and I bet you, you didn't even like know that that was, like you said, you said somehow it blew up. You weren't expecting anything out of it. And, uh, and, and here you are. So, um, could you just talk, tell us about recording that specific song with your sister and how that came about? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you very much. That's very flattering and very nice to hear. So thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I, so my father is a, the, like the biggest John Denver fan ever. And I mean that sincerely, uh, he's got every recording ever, like he's obsessed. Um, so growing up, I kind of had this, like, I, I didn't like John Denver because it was just all over the place. Like, right. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I had this aversion to it. And, uh, but then, as I got older, I started listening to some older John Denver tunes. I was like, damn, this is, there's some good stuff here. This is, this is good stuff. So, um, it was almost kind of, I I don't want to say a joke, but it was like, uh, Oh, let's do a John Denver song. Um, and it might've even been like my dad's birthday or something. And we sent it to him, but yeah, I had no, I had no idea. I didn't even know that that song was as big as it, was um i don't think and yeah we just i liked the because nobody had uh, nobody that i know of had done a slow version of it um and i am definitely a sucker for slow sad songs so we put that kind of spin on it um and just recorded it like i don't know ran through it a couple times and just kind of uh, recorded it right then and there and then just popped it up there and I had no idea it would go on to have you know 200,000 views or whatever it had. How, how much so that was just the, it was just the one take then you ran through it a couple times and you only did one take and that's the one that's up there? I think so at most maybe we did two but uh, yeah I don't it's, it's, we still sing it sometimes uh, when when she's over or whatever and we're singing together because she's got a great voice too my sister Sarah, um, and yeah, we'll we'll do some duets occasionally. But yeah, I think it was just the one one take, maybe two. How long did it take? Like, when did you notice? Like, oh my god, people are people are actually watching this. Um, I think it took a little while. It was it it was like um, got to like a thousand views, and then I was like, damn, a, like a thousand for me was a lot because. I wasn't even promoting any of this stuff and it wasn't monetized. It was like, I would put maybe post it on Facebook to just be like, Hey, we did this thing. And, uh, so I wasn't doing anything and it just started to like snowball. And, um, yeah. And then, and then when it hit a hundred thousand, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and yeah, people commenting on it. And it's like, I didn't even know people listened to covers on YouTube. Um, I was just kind of throwing them up there and I still do occasionally I'll come up with something. We just, I just did a version of my song, uh, drunk in California and put it on YouTube yesterday, but yeah, it's that. a great vehicle, which I learned about just by doing it. I didn't even realize it, uh, until yeah, after it took off. Well, I, I got to say, cause like take me home country roads was, uh, when I was a kid, I had this Disney, um, like travel songs cassette 
that I would listen to in the car. This is when I was really little. Yeah. And most of it was just, you know, Disney crap. You know, I can't even remember, you know, like goofy <laughs> singing. She's, she'll be coming around the mountain and stuff. But for some reason, yeah. there was a version of Take Me Home Country Roads on there. So that song is like the first song, the first quote unquote real song, like adult song that I was ever really aware of on my own. And so I've, I always listen to, I love finding different versions of that because it's such a beautiful composition. And, um, oh, it is. And your version is like that's that's my go-to now. Like I, I've and I've it's you, and then I like Mike Doty's version too. And then obviously the original is good too. Um, but sure. uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's 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 really cool. Um, and then you've also got uh, you got a good version of um, I'm I'm partial to the, your cover of uh, New York City's Killing Me by Ray LaMontagne. Um, you do a Chris, oh, you thanks. do Fly Away by Chris Stapleton. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend folks uh, checking out the YouTube channel as well as uh, your website. And we'll get to the promotion stuff uh, at the end of the at the top of the hour here. Um, we can tell sure. people where to find you. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, where do I want to go from here? Let's see, I'm looking through my question. Oh, do you uh, do, do you tour at all? Like, have you been? What's your live uh, you know schedule look like? You know, what have you been doing with that? Yeah. I, I play, I play a lot around town. Um, it's been tough to, I've had, I've had some shitty touring experiences. Um, and I think it's just, it's nothing. It's never been anything that, uh, like I've done or, or the people I've been on tour with. It's just happened to like, I've broken down a few times in several different vehicles and like, I don't know, just, just weird stuff. So, I haven't done a lot of touring and I'd like to tour with the band at some point, but I think, um, my focus for this year, this coming year, cause I'm, uh, I'm making a new record, uh, and going to try to book some, some stuff for the summer and try to get out of town a little bit more and start building up more of a base just cause I'm, I'm kind of sick of just sitting and, uh, playing around here and, and not, you know, really going for it. Starting to branch out a little bit more. Um, yeah. So uh, do, do you said, do you, you have a day job then too? Yeah, um, I do. And I kind of, it, at first it was, I got it like four years ago, I think. Um, and it's remote work, which is really nice, but it slowly became more of a career thing. So now I'm working 40 hours a week. Um, but I actually, well, this is new news to a lot of people. I just found out that, uh, it's a, it's a startup and they're cutting a lot of the positions. So mine was actually just cut. Um, and at the end of February, I will no longer have a job. Oh, so, shit, man. uh, it's, um, but it's, it's kind of great too. Cause I, you know, I can try to try to focus things more on, the music side and, and really do that because it's been kind of put on the back burner which you know that's not why i'm here um in nashville so i'm i'm both uh terrified and excited but that's kind of how i felt when i moved down here so it's kind of a a, a great feeling in a weird way yeah i mean you do get your free time back that is the the main thing if you have a it it sucks if like you get laid off and that's that's your life you know but right. for some creative people it's like i mean okay, I just, you know, I just got to be smart with my money for a while and, or get unemployment or whatever it is. And, yeah. uh, and then pursue whatever goals I was pursuing anyway, only now I have more time to do it. So, you know, right. Blessing right. in disguise right there. Yeah, potentially. Exactly. That's, that's how I'm uh, trying to see it. You know, yeah. what, what kind of a startup was it? Like, what were you, what were you actually doing? If you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's called tunes map. It's a, um, it's a, it's an app that um, essentially contextualizes whatever music you're listening to. So it was music related, which was nice. Um, and I was a curator. So if you're listening to, uh, it's an Apple TV app right now. Uh, if you're listening to music through Spotify or whatever, whatever you're listening to, like if you're listening to New York hip hop or something, it'll bring up all this relevant content to the song you're listening to and that band and that era and the scene around it and everything. And it'll show it on your TV screen and then you can click on it and you can find out more about it and stuff. Um, so yeah, we basically were building it for 
years and I was curating all of that content. So it was like high quality handpicked stuff. And yeah, they're kind of shifting directions and stuff. So um, it's good. It's, it's good news for, for the company. And I'm, I'm kind of glad to see that, that it's moving on and, you know, not just tanking. It's, it's actually continuing on its direct path and then hopefully something will happen with it, but we'll see. Yeah. And if you got, you know, a couple of years doing of experience doing that now, you can always go back to, you know, finding something, you know, tech related or something like that. I mean, you do oh, you sure. take some, yeah. take some time off, pursue what you're actually passionate about. And you know, there will always be day jobs. You know I mean? Even if the, even if the economy right. goes to shit again, uh, you, oh, sure. there's always something to do. So, uh, Oh yeah. Oh, I've had my fair share of, uh, of crappy jobs. So, uh, you know, if I have to go back, Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. It's, you do what you have to do. Um, yeah, exactly. My last question before we get into sort of like what you got coming up in the future, like you mentioned, you're you're going to be doing another album this year, which is exciting. Um, the huh. name J.R. Wyatt, you said, uh, is a stage name. We were talk, talking before we went on the air. Uh, so, how did you come up with uh, J.R. Wyatt? Yeah, so my my uh, given name, I suppose, is uh, Joseph Azkov, um, and. Yeah, I don't know. I had played under that name for a while. I did an EP under that and like all that, but I don't know. I just I I I didn't want um like a moniker, like a a band name as a solo project. Um I wanted it to be a a name and I liked the idea of initials and my initials are JR. Um and yeah, Wyatt is uh, like a family name, so I took that and just kind of merged it together. And I really liked it because it sort of separates my real life from my um, creative life, I guess. And and it almost acts like a band name for me, but a lot of people call me JR now, and that's just normal now after five years or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was just just... I wanted something different and something that I could put all of my creative content under. And, uh, that's kind of where it came from. Well, it's a perfect name for the type of music that you play too. Like, plus there's, I mentioned before we went on there too, there's, I thought it was a Johnny Cash reference because Johnny Cash's real name was J.R. Right. Cash. So that, that, that works yeah. out nicely too. Yeah, it, it, uh, it works nicely. And I liked it cause it kind of sounded like an author as well, which, yeah, I like yeah. that kind of, I don't know, there's something sort of mysterious about like the author's name on a cover or something. So it, it worked in many different ways and um, yeah, I just stuck with it and that's me now, I guess. <laughs> well, I've been, you know, I didn't know your name was Joseph until, you know, two minutes ago. So there you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh so what you got coming up in the in the future then man like uh you mentioned you're recording an album this year what what's going on with you what are you planning to do with this yeah. all this free time you're going to have Yeah um my yeah I start recording on Saturday actually um we're going to the studio and yeah over the next couple months we'll we'll track that and then do all the necessary things and I learned a lot from staying gold just cuz I didn't I didn't release it properly and I didn't do any of the business side things cause I didn't even know what I was doing. Um, so I'm taking all those lessons that I learned from that and utilizing them to, to make this a, a more successful project, hopefully. And, um, yeah, this one will sound a little bit different. It'll be a little more, there's some like more like indie folk kind of stuff and some rock tunes and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm super psyched about that, and then yeah, like I said, trying to get out on the road a little bit. Maybe I'll uh, even come up to Detroit and pay you a visit. If you do, I will uh, I will definitely uh, uh, be at that show, so uh, I will be keeping an eye out for that. Um, are, is the album right mostly written? Oh yeah, it's totally written. Um, yeah, I I have a thing with my friends called the Pizza Collective, which is a uh, songwriting collective, and we do. Uh, we write a song every week and if you miss a week, you owe a dollar. And so it keeps us, it holds us accountable. And I, over the past, you know, one or two years, have just accumulated an insane amount of songs. 
and a lot of them suck, but uh, <laughs> the good ones but I a lot of them I don't. Cherry so. picked and yeah, some of them don't. Yeah, and uh, so I picked the ones that don't suck as much, and those will be the record. All right, good choice. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> so is it going to be with uh, Alex Martin again? Uh, he's not doing it this time because of scheduling stuff. He just built a. I, I helped him build a studio, so that was that's taking up a lot of his life. Um, but this one, the guy who played keys on my record and who plays with me regularly uh, live, his name is Will Honaker. He's going to be, um, we'll co-produce it together, and he's kind of taking the helm on that. So very excited to kind of switch it up and see what happens. When, uh, when do you think you'll be putting that out then? If I had to guess, probably this summer. And I'm going to try to do some some singles in the spring and uh, maybe a music video and then release the full thing in the summertime. All right, man. Um, yeah. We will be definitely be looking for it. Uh, why don't we uh, tell everybody where they can find you online? Like, where's, uh, where's the places that they should go if they want to check you out? Yeah, um, well, like we mentioned the old youtube uh and then yeah i'm on instagram and facebook and then my website is jrwyattmusic.com and that's kind of a hub for everything so if you're looking for you know any of the uh social media or videos or contacts or whatever you can just go there i actually have to redo some of it but yeah that's that's the hub jrwyattmusic.com that's what uh, that's what that's it is. Correct, uh, dude. We are uh, we are at the end here. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been great talking to you. Um, I hope you make it up to Detroit uh, to to uh, support this album that you're you're going to be starting. Me too, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. Um, and uh, I will be uh, you know this. Hopefully, our paths will cross again. I will at the very least. I will continue to listen to your uh, your YouTube covers. Um, and, and I'll be <laughs> checking you out your, uh, your, uh, your original music as you, as you put it out. So, um, so yeah, man, thanks a lot. Uh, everybody else, I will be back, uh, as always next week, Kevin Jones, who was just here last week, uh, is going to be coming on. Um, we're going to do a show about guns, uh, not political, not, we're not going to have a political discussion. Uh, I want to just talk to him about the hobby of, of, uh, of being a gun owner and, 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 and shooting and, and the historical aspect of, of the gun and, and, and all that. He's a, it's going to be a really interesting interview because I'm completely ignorant on most of it. I am not a gun owner and, and, uh, and loud noises scare me. So, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I will be back uh, next Wednesday at uh, the usual scheduled time. JR, once again, thank you so much. Um, hang on the line. I'll give you a proper goodbye once we're off the air, but uh, everybody else, uh, for the love of God, don't go outside unless you absolutely have to. Um, and uh, this weekend, it's supposed to get warm again. So if we can just hang on until Saturday, we'll make it, folks. All right. Have a good weekend. This is our podcast, Detroit.com.